Welcome to the Connect podcast. This is the weekly podcast of the California MBA featuring one-on-one interviews with movers and shakers in the mortgage industry. I'm Susan Malazzo, CEO of the California MBA, and I'm very happy that you could join us. Uh, before we get to today's guest, I'd like to thank our 2023 President's Council sponsors for their incredible support in, uh, in this year. Those companies are Amerihome, ArchMI, Consolidated Analytics, Funding Shield, Rocket Mortgage, and Western Alliance Bank. Thank you all for your continued support. Of course, that helps um, strengthen our organization so that we can continue to be a strong voice in the California State Legislature on all issues related to the mortgage industry. So grateful for your support this year. And with that, I want to turn it to uh, today's guest. I'm very happy to um, welcome my friend Robert Finley with Bright Finley Zach to connect. Robert, welcome. Uh, thank you very much, Susan. Excited to do this. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, we've known each other for a long time, so it's uh, it's very nice to finally have you on Connect. And I do always like to kind of get started with uh, in, you know some background on our guests. So give us uh, uh, an idea how you got into legal representation in financial services. Yeah, it's uh, <clears throat> it's hard to believe it's been um, 29th year I'm about to start, so it's been quite a while. So um, I didn't intend to get into the uh, mortgage industry, but I did. I came out of uh, law school in 1993, and I wanted to get into some sort of real estate, but uh, unfortunately, there was no real estate going on at that point in time because California's economy wasn't that great. So I took the um, first job I could find in Orange County, which uh, where I'm from, and uh, which was doing post-foreclosure evictions. Um, very glamorous and exciting stuff uh, uh, that I wanted to get out of as, about as quickly as I got into it. But as I started, I, I, um, I was getting great litigation experience. I was doing trials. I was doing um, uh, all sorts of motions and going to court you know, four or five, six times a week, which was fabulous experience compared to a lot of my counterparts. So I did that, and, and but you know, it, it ran its course after about a year and a half or so. Um, I moved over into litigation group of um, the firm I was with at the time and started doing mortgage-related litigation, depending uh, lenders and loan origination and loan servicing issues. Uh, continued doing that, it, kind of expanding my litigation experience until it was 2002 that we started Wright Finley and Zach. So we just celebrated our 20th year last year, and actually uh, two weeks ago today was our uh, 21st anniversary. Uh, so we've been around. Um, my partner Robin Wright and I have worked together for. Uh, 29 years and right Finley and Zach we primarily represent uh, financial institutions in um, uh, mortgage related litigation uh, compliance matters licensing and regulatory matters great great well we've uh, been grateful to work with uh, you and your partners uh, and congratulations on uh, on the the milestone of making it 21 years that's pretty incredible a lot longer than I ever thought but it uh, seems to be going <laughs> started right um, you know, you and uh, and several of your um, your um, attorneys at the firm have been active with our legislative uh, committee and our legal affairs, um, uh, you know, legal agenda for many years. And we're very grateful for the expertise that you all bring. There are definitely issues that we've addressed over the years that your particular background in the industry has been really helpful for us to kind of formulate 
our paths forward. So always appreciate you being a part of our, uh, our legislative committee. But what do you see as the most important legislative issues that we'll be facing in 2023? It's mm, uh, a good question. I mean, with the economy you know, teetering, is it going to go into recession? Is it going to be a bad recession or a small recession? Nobody knows. But I think we definitely will probably see um, uh, an uptick in foreclosures, I think, in 2023. And as a result, uh, or, or, or I should say, even if we don't see an uptick, I think that the legislature will uh, anticipate one. And so I think we'll see foreclosure reform. We saw several bills last year that wanted to uh, you know, significantly extend the foreclosure process. They wanted Last year, they wanted to create a, a, a two different uh, paths for foreclosure when there's equity in a property and when there's not equity. Uh, so I think we'll see more of that. I think even some of those same bills will come back. Uh, the, the, the legislature seems intent on uh, making sure that people who have equity in the property are um, given additional opportunities to avoid foreclosure. So I definitely right. think we'll see that. And, and all of that sounds, you know, it, it sounds good on paper and, and if done properly, I don't think is a negative, but a lot of times the laws, the way these laws are proposed are not very, uh, they're not, very practical, and, and they have they end up causing a lot more um, harm than good, and uh, create a lot more procedures and areas where potential litigation could arise for many of the CMA mem uh, CMBA members. So um, I think we'll see that. I also think we will see a continued effort to prevent investors from picking up properties uh, either at foreclosure sales or otherwise. That was a big issue last year and the year before. Uh, Sacramento seems to think that. Uh, all the properties are being purchased by investors, which are turning, um, you know, single-family neighborhoods into rental neighborhoods, and they want to put a stop to that. How they're going to do it is is the key, uh, because I think it can probably be done effectively. But so far, most of the laws that have been proposed uh, usually end up harming lots of other groups. So, for instance, last year there was one where they wanted to uh, add a, tap, a capital gains tax for anyone who flips a piece of property, but as drafted, it would have affected you know, you or I, Susan, it would affect any of us if we were to sell our properties. So luckily that one was shot down because it was so poorly written, but I think we're going to see more efforts um, in, in that area as well. Yeah, definitely another uh, another busy year for us. We will see the change to the foreclosure process for sure, and we're going to be starting our legislative committee uh, calls here in the next few weeks. So we'll uh, get underway when that uh, we have language on that bill. But again, thank you for uh, all of the support that you and your firm have given us on our legislative committee, but but Wright Finley has also been involved uh, with us for many years on legal cases, and in, the, in particular, crafting amicus briefs and important cases that you um, have often brought to our attention. And so I was hoping that today you could share with our listeners some of the issues surrounding the most recent case, and I'm going to butcher the name of it, Hanshari and, uh, versus FJM. I always see it written. I never have to verbalize it, so I, I probably did not say that name correctly, but I, I'd love to talk with the have you talk about the issues around that case? Yeah, and, and I've heard it pronounced several other several different ways. I'm not sure the right way, but Hans Sheru is the last one that I've heard that I think seems to stick. So we'll go with that. Um, yeah, well, first off, I think you know the CMBA does a great job with amicus efforts um, to, to, on, on key issues that impact the industry. And it's actually one of the, my the, my most favorite things that I do is because it's really it's great because we pull together a lot of times, a lot of different groups that we all put our money together to come up and challenge an issue together. And Hanshiro was one of those. And Hanshiro was, a, it was a, involved default interest. And whether you can charge default interest on a loan 
following um, a payment default. So the typical situation goes, borrower defaults on the loan, let's say their interest rate is 8%. And then once they default though, there's a default interest rate provision that allows the lender to bump the interest rate, let's say to 10%, which was the situation in the Honshiro case. Uh, and that and that's been it's been done like that for for decades, if if not longer. Uh, and um, the, the the standard has always been that the default interest, the, the ultimate charge, must bear a reasonable relationship to the potential loss that the lender may suffer as a result of the default. And that's always been the case. And so in the Honshu decision, when you start reading the opinion, that's where the court's headed, and also identifies that it was the borrower's burden to prove that there was no reasonable relationship. But then the uh, Court of Appeals just jumped to a conclusion that any any time you charge default interest on the entire unpaid principal balance following a payment default, that is per se illegal and um, um, violates law, the, the applicable law. Uh, and so that you know kind of sent shock sent shockwaves through the industry because it's it uh, changed what lenders have been doing for uh, a long period of time. Um, we filed an amicus brief with several other groups uh, trying to request that the um, California Supreme Court would take a look at this issue and weigh in on it. Unfortunately, at the end of the day, the um, California Supreme Court said, no, we don't need to look at this. Um, uh, it just didn't catch their attention to something that they felt they needed to weigh in on. So it's a final decision at this point. There's a lot of nuances to it. There's a lot of things that lenders and servicers can do, that they, um, but they have to be careful about doing it. Uh, one thing I want to highlight from it, the decision does not uh, impact necessarily the ability to charge default interest on a matured loan. It's a different issue. Um, so what we've been suggesting to everybody is when it comes to charging default interest, talk to your attorney, reach out to you know, our office or whoever you use um, and ask first, can I charge default interest? And if so, you know, how best to do it to protect myself from getting sued? And the other thing we're suggesting to everybody is um, have an attorney take a look at your um, uh, loan docs because they, they can be beefed up to increase your chances of successfully charging default interest. So unfortunately, that it was a, it was a good ex, ex, um, experience in in the fact that we pulled a lot of groups together to oppose the decision and and try to get Supreme Court review. Unfortunately, we were not successful. But I, if I could add, we did have a win. The CMBA was involved this last year, which was the Sheen case, which right. involved uh, the Homeowner Bill of Rights. And again, that was an amicus that we wrote on on your behalf, along with several other industry groups, and that was a big win. Uh, you know, uh, this California Supreme Court came down and held that there is no um, uh, cause of action for negligent review of a loan modification. And I think that's really important for the, for the servicers out there because they've been, you know, for 10 years now, they've been getting sued for what I call negligent loan mod review. And um, the courts have been split on whether that was a valid cause of action. Um, with CMBA's help, we were able to, you know, the Supreme Court was able to come down Inclusively, that that is not a valid claim, and so I think that's going to save um, a lot of our clients um, and a lot of CMBA members money over the. You know, they'll avoid litigation going forward. Also, it'll save them money in litigating um, the cases that borrowers file. So I think that was a big win. 
Right. No, that definitely was a big win. And, you know, again, we're, we are grateful for the expertise that you bring to, uh, to, you know, our activities from a legal standpoint as well. We do like to, um, you know, when we're able to weigh in on cases that are, you know, huge, you know, great impact to the mortgage industry here in California. So thank you for helping us uh, with that part of our advocacy efforts. Um, as you know, California MBA has a very active diversity, equity, and inclusion committee. Um, but I also see that your firm is involved with several national um, associations promoting diversity. Um, how has involvement in those issues benefited the firm? Yeah, so the um, Rick Finley and Zach is a and has been for about five or six years certified um, business-owned firm uh, certified by the WBENC. And uh, we're also a member of NANWL, which is a national um, association focused on um, uh, women-owned law firms, minority-owned law firms. Uh, and, and it's been great. I mean, we're still trying to you know, navigate our way through it, but so far it's, it's been great. And it's been nice that we were able to get, in, uh, get involved, I think, before it became uh, something you know, more, uh, you know, before a lot of other groups uh, and firms started to pay attention to diversity. But I think uh, um, the two things I've kind of noticed from it the most is, is first is um, community. There's definitely a sense of community out there where uh, women-owned and minority-owned firms um, and people are really out there to try to help each other. So th they're looking out, you know, mentorship opportunities uh, to help others advance along in the industry, but then also the companies, the businesses looking to support each other within that, that community. So I think sense of community is, is, has been the biggest thing that we've noticed. Uh, the second is opportunity. Um, a lot of opportunities, both internally and externally, you know, opportunities to go out and speak at, in, um, at, uh, at comp industry events, both on diversity issues, as well as just, I think industry wants to have diverse speakers. Uh, and so, you know, our firm being, being women owned, as well as having several um, um, minority and uh, women um, partners and speakers. And so they're able to, uh, you know, there's opportunities to go out and speak in the industry. There's also opportunities internally. I think, um, you know, Robin Wright is our managing partner. She's you know, and is obviously a, a woman. And so she's been running our firm for quite a while. I think there's a lot of opportunity within our firm um, for, for women to move up in the partnership ranks and, and ultimately um, into uh, you know, uh, leadership roles, both internally and externally. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Good for good for you and the firm. Um, I have to talk with you in another context uh, about having you on our DEI committee to share some of the information that um, you've benefited from from this uh, involvement with these associations with other people in our membership. So thank you for uh, for sharing that. Um, so. On to a topic that's outside the mortgage industry, one I know we both share a passion for, which is wine. Um, I happen to know you are a big fan of the Paso Robles wine country. I believe that's where you are recording today's podcast. So uh, can you give, uh, give our listeners an idea of what, what's your favorite winery if they happen to find themselves lucky enough to be in the Paso area? Yeah, we love Paso, and it's a place we've been going for for years and years and years. And then 2011, we were lucky enough to uh, you know um, buy a uh, second home up here that we use. You know, we rent out on Airbnb and VRBO, and uh, come up as much as we can. Uh, so it, it we we love it, the whole area up here. A lot of the wineries are it's much more um, uh, homey or just uh, friendly. You go in, you meet the owner of the property. Sometimes you meet the winemaker, which is really nice. But as far as favorite wineries, that's that's tough. I'd probably say that I have two right now that our favorite is one is Alexander, and that is um, um, 
Um, wonderful wineries, just small. You go in, one of the most intimate tasting experiences that you could go to. You go in and you're, well, you're not in their house, you're on their property and it feels very uh, uh, intimate and uh, the wines are absolutely amazing. And the other one that we've been um, enjoying quite a bit lately is Austin Hope, which is something that I think most people you know, are familiar with their cab. I think you can get it at Costco, but they have a lot of other really, really good wines, uh, Syrah blends and and uh, just and we just love the atmosphere there. And we're lucky enough actually last weekend to go to both. So uh, good timing with the question. And uh, uh, but, but there's so many good wineries. So, and uh, I know I know you and I have shared several uh, bottles and then hopefully I'll, you know, I'll, I'll bring some more for you to try something, try something different next time. It's, uh, yeah, it is a, a really unique uh, wine country area. If anybody has a chance to go there, I, I'd highly recommend it. And I, I do, I agree with you. The, the wineries, you have so much more of a, it's more of an intimate setting. Like they want to talk with you about their, you know, the, how they develop these wines and history of the, the land that they grew the grapes on and things. So it's, uh, it's, it's a great experience. Yes. So, you know, you have been uh, members of the California MBA for years, and as we've shared on this podcast, and you're very active with us, for which I'm very grateful. Can you talk with us why you're, about why you're such a big supporter of the California MBA? Well, because you're a leader, of course. That would be the answer. <laughs> I did kind of set you up for that. No. <laughs> uh, no, I think the CMBA does great things, and, and I think um, it's a leader in our industry, and, it's, and we're happy to be a part of it. Um, but the... I would say that the things I think the most value I get out of it, and I think the most value that the CMBA gives to its members is education and um, ad advocacy. I think you know the education um, sessions that we have at the various conferences are fabulous. Uh, I think there's a lot of people that um, don't know everything that's going on in the industry, or maybe they know their little piece and they can go to some of these conferences or participate in some of the webinars, and uh, they're going to learn so much, and it really allows them to stay up on top of the industry as well as you know, some of the industry you know, articles and updates that, that the CMBA sends out. Uh, but uh, the other one is advocacy. And it's, it, we talked about two of those things, but the advocacy that is done in Sacramento is just huge. It, without the CMBA's um, activity there, I think there, a lot of bills would be passed, a lot um, that, that, that um, shouldn't be passed, and a lot of bills would be passed in a form that they shouldn't be passed. And so I think we're, you know, um, as, as a community, as, as an organization, we're able to um, protect a lot of our client, uh, client my clients and, and your members from um, from Sacramento and the things that they might otherwise do. <laughs> uh, right. And then the advocacy on the other end is also the amicus that's done. There's um, you know laws that, that there's opinions that come come out that need to be corrected or need to be overturned, and I think we're out at the um, uh, forefront of trying to, to do that and always looking out to protect. Uh, the members' interests and make um, what they're make make it as e make as easy as possible for them to make money and do what they do. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, advocacy definitely the cornerstone of our association. And again, thank you so much for the support that you and the partners at uh, Wright Finley Zach have provided us over the years. Greatly appreciate it. Thank you very much. Look forward to doing it for many more years. And thanks for uh, for joining us today. And thanks to all of you for joining us and listening in on the Connect podcast. To access any of our past episodes, you can follow us on our YouTube channel. We're also available on SoundCloud, Apple Podcast, and Spotify. That's it for this week, and we'll see you next time on Connect. <laughs>